Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keuchel, Lampson got some beers that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into a Sunday Funday edition of the Sox on Tap postgame show. It's Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve, and the Sox are somehow, some way, still alive. Steve, how you doing on this fine Sunday afternoon? Hey, yo, Anthony, I am doing good. You hit the nail right on the head. They are still alive and kicking, baby. So took care of business here today, won the series, still alive. Yeah, and it, it's it's a good still alive feeling. I mean, we're we're in the uh, the back half of September, Steve. I think we all would rather this team be like wrapping the division up, putting a bow on things right now, getting ready. But hey, we're still talking about competitive baseball. And what is this? The eighteenth, eighteenth, eighteenth of September. And, you know, for a couple other years, if we put some things in perspective, we could be far out of this thing or, you know, it could just be uninspiring. Let's get to the show action type stuff. But we've got an action packed week of White Sox baseball coming up here. We'll get into the series that's coming to the south side of Chicago. That's the biggest series of the year against the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, I know I'll be in attendance to a couple of, uh, of these ball games. I think you might be at two tree of them as well, Stephen. So we'll get into some of that. But before we do, uh, we'll break down uh, what happened at the ballpark today, a little bit of yesterday action as well, and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that stuff. All right, let's get the promotional stuff out of the way. Be sure you're checking out ontapsportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports podcasts and literature needs. Be sure you're following Steve at NWI underscore Steve, myself at Tony on Tap. Follow the show at Socks on Tap and subscribe to the YouTube. Please get in here, get in the comments, uh, and uh, interact with us during the show. Steve, the Sox found a way to win two baseball games in the last 24 hours. Let's start with Saturday. Uh, I, I was pissed during this game. Very pissed. I don't know about you, but that was infuriating baseball to watch up until the end there. It really was, you know, they um, kind of just going through the motions again, almost a repeat of what we saw the day before on Friday, um, those first, you know, f- four or five innings against Eduardo Rodriguez, very uninspiring at bats. And it almost looked as if there was a carryover effect from the deflating loss Friday evening. And at various points during the season, a loss like they had on Friday was the type of thing that could snowball and then turn it into a four or five game losing streak, which we all know they cannot afford at this juncture. So you're about midway through that game yesterday and you're thinking to yourself, some of those negative thoughts and some of that stuff is starting to creep into your mind again, but then they were able to rebound off of that and they were able to 
get the game tied up there and then ultimately force it into extra. So you almost had a similar, almost an exact carbon copy of what happened on Friday night, but this time they were able to flip the script, thankfully. Yeah, they were. And and I just got to say, like there were certain things with within that baseball game where it felt like you had the that's so white Sox uh loss written all over it i was surprised that they were able to win in extras um just for the mere fact that it never feels like it goes the Sox way this season steve and yesterday obviously uh they put one in the uh in the column that you like i love the left hand column there you go so I don't really want to break too much into yesterday's ball game for the sake of time. We, we don't want to, we don't want to talk about the fact that yo knows clutch. Yo does no clutch. We, we, we will leave it with that note because yo didn't know clutch earlier in that game. And he found it when it mattered, Steve, he found it when it mattered. And that was right at the end. You got any thoughts on, uh, on yo and Moncada yesterday? Big spot right there. A guy that has been a magnet for criticism this year. A lot of it has been warranted. Um, a lot of his detractors have, you know, mysteriously gone silent because of the fact that overall his numbers are pretty good in clutch situations this season. A lot of them don't like to talk about that. There obviously have been various points where he has not come through in clutch situations. Um, you did highlight, you know, there was a spot earlier on in the ballgame that he didn't, but he picked the right time when this team absolutely needed it to come through and get a big base hit there in that extra inning frame. Yeah, and uh, credit to you on my cut here, Steve, because if this was, you know, you only go into Detroit and you take one, I mean, people would be livid and it. it was looking like that. It was it was looking like that for a hot it minute. Was serious hashtag mad online vibes there was, then. There was some mad on, I was mad online. I was pissed off. I mean, that's probably the most pissed off I've been with this team all year was about mm, what is it, the fifth inning yesterday? Just absolutely brutal baseball that you're watching. And yeah, I, I think the Yohan Mancata praise in this in this sense is warranted, Steve. He's not gonna be clutch every single time. He, 300 is good, right? Clutch numbers, 300. That means he's going to fail in clutch spots about seven out of 10 fucking times. And yet here he is on the more elite side of of batting in clutch situations. Oh, you crap. just used the word elite when talking about Johan Moncada, T's and P's to your mentions. I don't care because I'm, I'm, I've got the qualifiers. I've got the qualifiers here. In other aspects of, his ba- of the baseball game, like normal standard hitting situations, there's a lot to be desired, but there's something to be said, Steve, at least for me, for a guy that comes through when he's most needed. There's a word I think you're looking for there, and I believe that word might be opportunistic. That's a great descriptive word for Yohan Moncada this season at the plate. That's he for is, our boy Jonathan. Yeah, he, he might be one of the most opportunistic guys at the plate this season, I would say, followed closely a little bit. Uh, Gavin Cheats has had a, a, a few spots throughout this season. Elvis Andrews, since he's come here, has had some of those spots this season. You would like to see it from a few other. Eloy's had a couple moments too, sprinkled in there. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I want I want that more from I want that more from Jose Abreu, Steve. I want that more from Tim Anderson when he comes back, and I want that from Luis Robert as well. 
I want it sprinkled up and down the lineup like we were promised it was going to be. I would like it to be very well diversified because I was told that this was going to be a lineup top to bottom that was going to strike fear in the hearts of pitchers across the American League. Thus far, they have not done that. But I will tell you this much. They would pick a hell of a time right now to kick it into overdrive and make that happen. I would wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying there, Stephen. Um, let's let's get to today's ball game here. And a little bit of news to sprinkle in with this. Johnny Cueto was scratched yesterday from his start due to an illness. Then doesn't show up today. So we had these wins in, in both of these games come from Davis Martin, and today, who do we have on the mound that started this game for us? Vinny Velo. Vinny Velo. But I want to read out these names. Vinny Velo, Jose Ruiz, Lambert, and Banks. I mean, that's like a who's who. Outside of Jimmy. No Jimmy slander right now, Steve. But that's like a who's who. I will not tolerate James Lambert slander. I will not tolerate it. You will not. I won't either. Because he is the Lambo. But Velasquez, Ruiz, and Banks got the ship home today. You know what that must have meant, Steve? That must have meant that the offense did some shit. That must have meant the offense did some shit because uh, you're going to need it. 11 runs from the White Sox offense today. Start somewhere, Steve. Start somewhere with this. Before I before I get to the offense and their exploits here today, let's hit the rewind button to post game on Friday night when the little tweet came out saying that Davis Martin was in the clubhouse and that no corresponding move was, was made. And you and I were pontificating on what it could mean. And I said, is this the Michael Kopech shutdown? And you then jokingly said, I hope it's not Johnny Cueto. We were both fucking right. What are the odds of that? I, I don't know what happened here, but yes, I do. I do remember this. And I got a few text messages about this actual conversation transpiring when both of these guys went down. It started yesterday with the Kopech, with the Kopech thing, and everybody was like, I got a few texts that said, man, like, Nostra Steve. And then when the Cueto news came out, boom, like, that was that was weird. We, we might want to, like, speak some more things into existence that are good next time instead of, well, and then the results were okay, but maybe we need to use those powers for, for better. Listen, I mean, you know, if we're going to do that, then let's just, you know, talk about uh, the Cleveland Guardians losing tomorrow and then coming to the south side of Chicago with only a three-game lead and the Sox just dick-slapping them up and down the field Tuesday through through Thursday and taking hold of first place. Let's talk that. Let's speak that into existence. I would love to. That's the most positive Steve's been on the show all year. I mean, he's got his... His name has changed to hashtag still alive. And uh, Steve's trying to speak some things into existence that would just make me so happy. So I'm in, I'm invigorated by this kind of talk. Steven. As somebody who relishes in the misfortune and the pain and the agony of the Cleveland Guardians and their fans, nothing, and I mean nothing, would be sweeter and more, dare I say, cinematic than if they were to choke away this fucking division lead and for the Sox to celebrate after a victory against the Minnesota Twins 
the first week in October. Speak it into existence. I am here for this. You, you, you got me having goosebumps here on the show. I'm I'm excited, Steve. I, I, I want nothing more than that. You got to see them kind of wrap things up last season in uh, in Cleveland, and now you get the opportunity potentially to do it in Minnesota as well. Man, this has been a roller coaster of a fucking year. It, it absolutely has been a roller coaster of a year. Uh, I want to get back on track with some of the, the news stuff here. This was a, a nice little runaway on Sunday. Uh, but <sighs> Michael Kopech missing for the next 14 days. Now, that brings him, Steve, what, into, into that first week of October, maybe gives him a chance to make one more start, if that. Um, what are you expecting out of the rest of the season from Michael Kopech, because I think there's a lot of question marks at this point. If I'm being totally honest with you, I have no further expectations for Michael Kopech this season. The fact of the matter is he has thrown 119 and two thirds innings this year, all season. I had talked about my belief that 130 was going to be that magic number while the organization never came out and hashtag confirmed it. That always seemed Logical based off of recent history. If you look at other pitchers coming off of Tommy John surgery um, and guys that did not have the enhanced workload that Kopech didn't have coming into the season. So maybe if they decide that last week and should they come back and win this division title that you want to slot him into the bullpen and thinking maybe you can get 10 innings out of him during the postseason to get you to that 130 mark. Maybe that's the way they go. Um, personally, me, I would be fine with seeing Davis Martin, you know, take the roster spot of, you know, Joe Kelly or Jose Ruiz. That's just me. And like I said, if Kopech comes back and if they determine, hey, we can use you for an inning here, an inning there, that last week and into October, if they win this division, I think that's about all you can expect at this point. Yeah, it certainly seems like there's, you know, the potential that uh, they've basically just iced them out until the rest of the team decides if they're going to the playoffs or not. Um, I can very easily see a situation, Steve, depending on how the Cleveland series goes, where they shut them down or if they're on the other end of that spectrum, he's getting geared back up and throwing catch and looking to make one, one of those starts against Minnesota, I would think. Steve, you brought up a couple of names when you were just speaking. And one of them was, was Joe Kelly. I don't, I know that it hasn't been great, but isn't he here for the postseason? He is, but at the same time, if you look at the numbers as a whole, I would say over his last five to six appearances on the surface at face value, the, the numbers look good, but you watch him pitch and there's just not a confident feeling when he's on the mound. The point that I drive home every night and I'm sure everyone is sick of hearing me talk about it. Pitchers going out there, working ahead and counts, being in a position to control the at bat and take it to the hitter. He doesn't do that with consistency. And 
if you're talking about a guy in October, yeah, he's got a lot of postseason experience. But the one thing you cannot afford to do, and we saw this last October against the Houston Astros, you cannot afford to give teams free base runners, especially if you are in a position where if you have to go up against the Toronto Blue Jays, you cannot be walking guys in front of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You cannot be walking guys in front of George Springer. You cannot do that because that is a quick way to end your season. So Joe Kelly, I have no confidence in your ability to work ahead consistently and not issue free passes. So if we don't see him pitching meaningful games, I'm okay with it because he just has not inspired any confidence whatsoever this season. I don't care how much money he's fucking getting paid. That might be a good one for the content factory, Stephen. I, I I like where your head's at on some of this stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, for the sake of time, we'll move on. But I would love to discuss this uh, entire – from the signing on to where he's at right now and what he's here for. Um, I think it's an intriguing conversation. Where were we before we went on that? Sunday runaway train. Well, we haven't, we had, we still haven't gotten to the offensive exploits of this yes. afternoon's ball game. Let's, let's get there. Let's get there. What's, what's 11 runs? What's one thing that I've said from an offensive perspective all year, Anthony? Can you, can you uh, enlighten our listeners? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of what you may have said. Uh, something about a ball going in an air, going far. Yeah, if, yeah. If the ball goes in the air and goes far, the team yeah. will start to win more ball games. Yeah, something something along the, those lines. Generally, when the ball goes far, team go far. And there was a graphic that That's was shown it. on the screen during today's ball game here that when the Sox hit multiple home runs, when they deploy the multi home run strategy, twenty-seven and five. What happened today? Not one, not two, but three. Three dingers. What happened? The White Sox scored 11 runs. Oh, and what made it even more impactful is they weren't three solo home runs. Ooh, this was the part that I liked a lot. I, myself, am a very, very big fan of multi-run home runs, especially when you go Grand Salami, courtesy of Mr. Andrew Vaughn. And it's ironic because I was involved in a little uh, sidebar discussion on Twitter.com with some dipshit who may or may not have said that Andrew Vaughn is basically Dion Viciato in 2012 when okay. never, mind, okay. never, mind, never mind the fact that Andrew Vaughn has a higher on-base percentage and a higher slugging percentage. And weird, I'm not a teacher in the Chicago public school system. I didn't major in math, but I know that if you have a higher on-base percentage – and a higher slugging percentage, that's better. This has become your your platform to just speak directly into Ken's soul at this point. I, I'm a little, can I talk about why I am upset with Ken here? Because he's an idiot? No. no. Ken's, Ken's a great baseball mind. Uh, I don't think that word means what you think it means if you think he's great. Ken's got a great baseball mind. I just he he's got so many good qualities about him. But to take he's got a great guy, he's got a great mind for Twinkies and donuts. I'll tell you that our guy Dion Viciato, a player that is very near and dear to my heart, just like Gavin Sheets. 
was compared to Andrew Vaughn. And I don't think that they're of the same ilk here. I don't think that they, they are even to be compared, Steve, even though they've both traversed left field. I mean, I just don't <laughs> think they're the same player. I mean, Andrew Vaughn has stood in left field. Yeah. I mean, played, <laughs> stood in. I just, and that's why I can't get on that level. Yeah. Now, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll segue away from Andrew Vaughn here for a little bit. Let's talk about your, your baby boy, Gavin. She's because he got the party started here. He's been getting the party today. started a lot lately. It's, it's like, doing... he knows how to crack them and just go slap them the other way. He's, it's... he's just out there just trying to make his, his, his daddy happy and uh, going out there. Good offensive plate approach. You know, you see him go out there, he gets the two strikes and, the one thing about it is, you know, there's times where he'll, he'll strike out and he'll swing at bad pitches out of the strikes. And look, every hitter is going to do that. But one of the more undervalued things about Gavin Sheets this season that I have seen that I don't feel like gets talked about enough is he will battle at bats yes. up there. If he gets it, if he gets behind and counts 0 2 1 2. Sure, there's going to be circumstances where he, he's going to have a quick three pitch strikeout. Every hitter in the game does that. Okay, but more oftentimes than not, he will battle. He will work the at bat longer and give himself an opportunity to do some damage. And he's got a good sound approach where he will shorten up his stroke with two strikes, go the other way, beat the shift. We saw him do that again here today to get things going. And that's one of the mm -hmm. things that has been really underrated and undervalued with Gavin Sheets here since he came back up from Charlotte in June. I actually really honestly, Stephen, I've, you know, I, some of my takes are completely wrong. Some of my things that I say make absolutely no sense to anybody but me. But ever since I've been completely tuned in to Gavin's game, I think he presents something that not a lot of hitters that have come up through this rebuild do. And it's exactly that. It's that ability to have two strikes on you and work back. And you saw it a little bit in flashes last year, but it wasn't wildly talked about. Some of it was the plate appearance thing. And another portion of that is because he was coming through with home runs at a, at a lot faster of a rate right when he first came up that people weren't really evaluating his game for anything other than just power. And, and, now this year, you kind of see this guy battle through the sophomore slump early on and go fix it. I think he's got those tools and that mindset that you can actually build upon to be a productive major leaguer and part of a winning baseball club. Part of this is roster construction, but when we start to get into offseason talk of Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, and what the hell do you do with Gavin Sheets? Because the running joke has always been – well, you got to trade Gavin Sheets because he's the lesser of the three. No, he's he's been sort of quietly that unicorn that the Sox have been looking to develop internally in a left-handed power bat that can play some right field and some first base or DH. They've looked for that bat for such a long time, and I think that they have a real internal problem, and they got to give a lot of credit where credit's due. If Gavin Sheets came out here and did the Daniel Palka next year follow-up 0 for 53 – find himself on the DFA train real fucking fast and everybody would forget his name. He hasn't done that. He went back down to Charlotte. He battled back. He came back and he started tearing the cover off the ball. So I think he's, you know, honestly a, 
a lot of this is to his credit. He's worked himself into that conversation. And it's going to be real interesting to see what they do with those particular three players. Steve's still muted. Uh, technical difficulties. It is it is really interesting, and it is going to be quite a dynamic to consider in the offseason. One of the aspects of this that I feel like a lot of people aren't considering in all of this is Jose Abreu and what does he ultimately want? I know everybody just assumes that Jose Abreu um, is just going to be a White Sox for life, but, you know, things change over time. And if I'm going to be totally honest with you, the White Sox organization has failed Jose Abreu. Okay. This is a guy that they signed in October of 2013, and he was supposed to be the linchpin of the first Recon rebuild that nobody wants to call a rebuild, but it absolutely was. Okay. And this organization, I agree with you on that point. I agree with you on that point. That was a rebuild. Yeah. And this organization has failed Jose Abreu. They wasted the best years of his baseball life. Now we can talk about this all, all we want and, and talk in, in pleasantries about Abreu, but the fact of the matter is he's closer to, the finish line than he is the starting line of his major league career. And he has afforded himself the luxury of deciding if he doesn't believe that this organization that has failed him gives him the best opportunity to win a world series. He has earned that right to go somewhere that he believes will give him that best opportunity. I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about that. I, the idea of Jose Abreu putting on a different uniform sucks to even think about it's kind of disgusting it, it we're is being honest it's it kind is. of disgusting and disturbing visually but makes me want to throw up the the way i think about it is this i had to see frank edward thomas wear an oakland a's in a toronto blue jays uniform if he put on a uniform other than a white Sox uniform anybody else can because that should have never happened so as Same much with as Mark Burley too, my, everybody knows how I feel about Mark Burley. Um, but Frank Edward Thomas is the greatest White Sox ever. And he put on another uniform and that sucked. But did they put, put did, here's the thing. Did they put on other uniforms outside of Frank Thomas, right? Like actually, you know, now you're, you're it's different because the 2005 White Sox won without Frank. And then he decided to come back. I, I personally wanted Frank to just retire at that point, but obviously he had a couple of years left in him just for the storylines, right? I want the storybook ending, make it cinematic. Frank, you know, gets that World Series and is out of baseball. But it would just be weird for me because this White Sox team didn't achieve anything. They didn't go win a World Series with him. That it would feel even dirtier knowing that the team is still competing and the guy who's been here through it all and been the leader through it all is now all of a sudden fucking gone. And that's so I think it I, sends a huge wrong message to the entire fucking clubhouse. But that gone. but that's where my earlier point about this organization failing Jose Abreu for that very reason. You know, and this is why this past winter, fuckhead Jerry Reinsdorf, because he talks about how much he loves Jose Abreu and he should have done everything in his power 
to put Jose Abreu in a position to raise the commissioner's trophy, and he didn't. And the the, the sad part of this, Steve, is I think he thinks he did. Yeah, of, of course I he think thinks he, he thinks did. he did because he, you look at the payroll and he's, what What are they, seventh or something? He's yeah. got enough ammunition to sit there and say, I did a good enough job. Yeah, no, here's the deal. When you're when you're in a major market and you're still $40 million below the first luxury tax threshold, that's not doing everything in your power. Okay. When you stripped the payroll down 2017, 2018, 2019, and you hoarded all those savings, don't talk to me and don't tell me that just because you went to $195 million that you did everything in your power, you didn't. So, Jerry Reinsdorf, you failed Jose Abreu. So you don't think he's coming back? I don't know if he is or not. My my overarching point to this is if he decides, if he feels that this team that has failed him for close to a decade doesn't give him the best opportunity to win the World Series, he deserves to Could that go. be disastrous, though? It could be. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It could, could be. that be disastrous. I know we're just we're way down the rabbit hole. Today. I mean, look, the idea of Jose Abreu, you know, if say he wanted if he went to the Houston Astros and actually went to a smart organization. Oh, my God, that a, would make me so sick. And, and don't would, why, why are you even saying this? You're going to give me nightmares tonight. This is supposed to be a positive show. We're going to we're going to curb this conversation in a minute but why would you say jose abreu to the astros on these airwaves here again i'm not saying i want this but let's just think about this yuli guriel 39 years old contract is up at the end of this year the astros need a first baseman they have spring training in florida where jose abreu's son is what team finished second in the jose abreu sweepstakes in 2013 stop I don't want to hear anymore. L, you you want it to get worse because I got one more to make it even worse for you. Just who do the who do the who do the Astros open up with next year? I'm just gonna take the headphones off. You can say whatever you need to. Did you come back? You say it. You said it. All right, we can come back now. It was probably disturbing. I don't know what he said. I took the headphones out. I couldn't hear him. I just said, you know, who, who do you know who the Astros open up with next year? I took that out. It's us. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, God, that would be so bad. Let's not make this happen. After we, we cursed this, too, because we, we talked about speaking things into existence as we started this show. But again, look, Jose Abreu can say, I want to finish here. And I feel like if he says that to Jerry Reisdorf, then it will happen. Okay, so, so let's so. go back to the other things. If you're Rick Hahn as, as the GM of this team right now, you've got Andrew Vaughn that you're responsible for drafting. You've got Gavin Sheets who's come up and warranted the conversation for all of this. And Jose Abreu comes to Jerry and says, I want to see this thing through. I'm loyal as hell. I'm Jose Abreu. I love the White Sox. I want to finish my career here. Are you going year to year? Are you handing Jose Abreu three years? What are you doing? If it were me, I would go year to year because the simple fact of the matter is a right, right first baseman. Those are the types of guys that when it goes, it goes. 
quickly. Um, I don't know what Jose Abreu's appetite for that will be. And, you know, look, also at the same time, you know, Abreu is, I think he's going to be 36 going into next season. So how much longer is he going going to want to play? And, I mean, let's let's also think about this. This guy – has been a fucking warrior. I've talked about this. Yeah, he's he, been a warrior. So let's let's give let's give him some credit here. He might go late into his he, career. He 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 very well could. But he's he looking also, at Albert Pujols right now. Like, all right, I can do this. He also could very well be looking at though his his body has taken an absolute beating the last couple of years. So he may very well decide I want to give it one last hurrah. You never you never know, but. It, the greater point is Jose Abreu has earned the right to decide this. Fair. That's my point. Fair enough. All right. We'll jump off this rabbit hole that we went down on Sox on tap Sunday. Fun day. We'll pick it back up with Sox were able to get the job done today in Detroit. Beat the Detroit Tigers by a final score of 11 to 5. The bats were working. The multi-home run strategy, which is the thing that set off this rabbit hole that went all over the place and wound up with will Jose Abreu be back next year? Uh, 11 to five final. You got it done via basically a bullpen day and some, I don't know. I, I don't even want to like call it gutsy performance by Vince Velasquez, but here we are. doesn't matter. We were able to get through it because Detroit sucks. We haven't been able to say that all weekend, obviously Friday night's ball game, uh, was disastrous from the White Sox side, but it was nice to see Detroit do some suckage like they normally do to put us in this position for what's ahead, Steve. So let's talk about what's on tap for our Chicago White Sox. Before we get there, before we get there, the Minnesota Twins, those worthless sacks of shit, finally did something today and beat the Cleveland Guardians. So now it is down to four in the loss column. We only have to talk about the loss column until noon tomorrow when the Guardians and the Twins play game five of this five-game series. This is a big, pivotal game. Minnesota, win another baseball game, and then you have my permission to die. Plain and simple. Because at that point then, the Guardians will come into Chicago and it will be a three-game deficit. Three games at the corner of 35th and Shields. Mm -hmm. The biggest three games of the season. All the ups and downs of this season. This season that has made me want to pull my fucking hair out more than any other one in my life. They still have a chance. They are still alive and breathing. Get your asses to the ballpark. Bring the fucking energy. I want these motherfuckers from Cleveland beat. That's it. Tuesday's going to be wild. You're going to be there, right? I will be there. I will too. It's going to be wild on the south side of Chicago. Playoff atmosphere. That's what I'm hoping for because it should be. And Steve, like you said, everything that's gone on this roller coaster of a season, everything that's gone on, the cinematic ending, if there's going to be one, it starts on Tuesday. It's the final fucking chapter of this season. That's it. As Ozzie Guillen said on the postgame, spring training's over because 
this is it. This is the final stretch. This is kind of what you want as a baseball fan, right? You want to be in the hunt, right? Right down to the stretch, but Mm -hmm. really we've made it here. And maybe we're not the character that we thought we were going to be, but we're a character in this story and it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to go bad or good. And either way, it's just going to have all sorts of thrills and feelings and emotions that are going to come out over the next couple of weeks here, Steve. I'm excited for Tuesday. I'm a little jacked up. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. How are you feeling? We got 15 games left to go. 15 games. It is a sprint to the finish. I'm calm. I'm subdued right now, but I'm sure Monday night when I try to get in bed, mine's going to start racing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to wake up Tuesday morning. And I'm going to be amped up. And I'm going to be amped up like it's fucking opening day because in some ways it kind of is because it's all going to come down to this 15 games to the finish. You got three left with these motherfuckers from Cleveland fucking bury them. That's well said, Steve. In fact, honestly, for as disastrous and as pitiful as we felt over courses of this season, this series with Cleveland, this is one of the funnest parts of being a baseball fan. This is one of the, the most insane moments because there's so much that can happen. There's so much uncertainty. It's a it's a great let's talk oh, about this man, point. Why, Let, why no, 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 no. Let's talk. No, let's talk about this point here real quick. Let's talk about this from our from our body. We got a co- we got a comment that just came in via the YouTube for those that are listening on the podcast tomorrow. So our boy, Mr. Besnick, socks insane, saying Giolito is scheduled to pitch Thursday, so no chance of a sweep. Think about this though, with John Cueto Ooh. not making his start this weekend. What if he goes on Tuesday? Well, ac- actually, no, because they 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 won't bump back Dylan Cease. Okay, so you're yep. gonna get Dylan Cease on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. What if then they go with John Cueto on Wednesday and the big bastard Lance Lynn on Thursday? Would they bump Cease though? Maybe just to I, give him no, a little no, extra rest. I don't I don't think they will because he pitched that game Wednesday in Col- against Colorado. And if you remember, this is the very discussion we had leading up to this game on, on Thursday. But because- I saw some comments from Cairo, Steve. Because I, I was actually covering this, uh, the the Cueto scratch yesterday, and they said if he's unable to go Sunday, then they expect him to start the series opener. Well, you know, Cease had talked about that. I didn't know that that would be Cease's spot in the rotation yeah. at this point, so... Who knows? Like that—that's why this is interesting to me. This is going to be interesting because Cease talked about that uh, start against Baltimore when he had six full days of rest um, before that outing. That he came out there and that he wasn't sharp, and that was one of the things that was kind of leading up to, like I said, this past Thursday against Cleveland and all the discussion about whether or not you rearrange the rotation so Cease pitches that game. This but, is good. This is a good thing, though, because now you've got guys who could potentially be over available. It could very well be the case here. So it will be fascinating to see how the Pharaoh decides to handle this situation right now. But I mean, either way, even if you think about it, what I mean, they, they could even set things up where you just go 
Cease on Tuesday, Lynn on Wednesday. So they're lined up in their regular spot. And then you just have Cueto on Thursday. So basically where he just misses one turn. And then you go with Gio next Friday at home against the Tigers. I like that. I kind of like that option better myself. Um, I think that way, like I said, you keep Lynn and Cease on their regular routine. Now, granted, they do have an extra day mixed in there, but, you know, you can't control an off day from there. So they would have had to deal with it no matter what. Personally, if it was me, that's the way I would go about it. I, I love I love that we're we're here talking about over availability of starting pitchers for this Cleveland series. I don't care really how they line them up. The Get offense the fucking to, job done. That's the offense. It. The offense needs to be electric. I want the most fireworks blown off in a three game set, Steve. All year, just home run parades, home run parades. We want them one after the other. I need. I need two Gavin Sheets bombs this series. I need at least one from Andrew Vaughn. I want one from Jose. Actually, I want the whole lineup, bare minimum, over the over the next three games, a home run from each of you. I want those air raid sirens going off in Bridgeport. That's what I want. Yes. Because that would be fantastic. Because there's just nothing but fucking bombs being dropped on the Guardians. Yes. Somehow, some way, get it done. Steve... Tuesday night, probables. We don't know from the White Sox side. We kind of just went through that. Um, do we know who's listed for Cleveland? Aaron Savali coming off of the IL? And how have we done against Savali this season? This season, I am not sure, but I do know this much. Last September, I made a trip to Cleveland. I left at 5 o'clock in the morning. Aaron Savali was the starting pitcher on the mound. The White Sox celebrated a division title. A few hours later, that was a game that had a lot of home runs in it. There were Timmy Mm -hmm. went fireworks first pitch. Yes, he did. Didn't Luis Robert follow it up? Luis Robert did. Eloy did. Actually, Timmy had two that that day. Yeah, off of Savali. We're getting we're getting near a Tim Anderson return as well. We haven't really talked about that on the show yet, but uh, we are getting near a Tim Anderson return. He was cleared earlier this week to resume baseball activities. Steve, I don't see him participating in the Cleveland series. Maybe Thursday if he doesn't require time down in Charlotte, but uh, they did say that he may or may not, probably may require a couple games down in Charlotte. Maybe those take place during the Cleveland series, but he could be back for Detroit. He very well could be. And, um, you know, look, we we then will – have to start dealing with some different lineup machinations and defensive alignment situations. Um, I I feel Figure like it's I feel like it's already been decided based off of some of the commentary that's come from the Pharaoh at this point that Elvis Andrus will be sliding over to second mm-hmm. base. Um, you know, I know there's going to be some consternation amongst some of the fan base. He can handle that. it. He, he can handle it. He he absolutely can. He can uh, there, handle it. There's there's no question about. It. Look, they always talk about on the defensive spectrum that it is easier to go from shortstop to second base than the other way around. Um, Andrus has 
shown and displayed that he is nothing but a consummate professional. I if have Nick no Madrigal, doubt. If Nick Madrigal could be drafted as a shortstop and play <laughs> second base for the Chicago White Sox, I think Alvis Andrews can handle this transition very well. If, if Nick Madrigal can be drafted, you know, fourth overall, you'd lose your job as a scouting director. Wait, that's not why you called. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we are. That's that's Sunday fun day for you. Um, Steve. I know you were the one with the uh, with the hard stop here, but do you have any final thoughts for Sunday Fun Day? My final thoughts are this: like I said earlier, Minnesota Twins. I'm talking to you for the last time. Get 27 outs tomorrow, then you have my permission to die. Cleveland, get your asses on the fucking plane then. And White Sox, get the fucking whooping sticks out. That's it. Period. Paragraph. Are you and Ted going to do like a co-spaces tomorrow for this game? <laughs> I'm let me tell you. Electric. Let me you tell you. A you and something. Ted in the same co-space. Let me tell you a little something. Rooting on the twins together. If the Sox pull this thing off, Teddy better have that block button ready because I'm coming. Because oh, I got I got receipts and it's going to be fucking ugly. Oh boy. Steve's always up for uh, for a there challenge is, on and, the, and, on the and believe account. me, believe me, there is nothing I love more than embarrassing a fucking Twins fan. Don't speak ill of your favorite team tomorrow. That's going to play baseball, Steve. That's that's rule number one. You don't want to bring them negative energy. So you're you're rooting for the Twins tomorrow. I am too. Happy to admit it. I need them to end this uh, loss column discussion. And, and then we they all have my do. permission to die. There's a vested interest here just for one day. Uh, Steve, I've got some final thoughts here before we close this show down. Number one, it's it feels good to be alive. Just keep breathing, soak in that my baseball team is still alive air, and enjoy it because the White Sox do not play tomorrow. On Tuesday, it's time to get some shit done. I want every White Sox player on Monday night to go to bed watching Josh Naylor's celebration all over you from earlier this season and go go out there and try and top that. I don't care who gets the job done. Make them cry. Make them feel that you're right on their heels and make them crumble. I want nothing more because it just feels like they've had the luckiest season all year. Every baseball analyst is, has basically come out and said, we expected them to not be in this position right now. And they play the game in just such a frustrating way. They're a bunch of slap dick motherfuckers. Call them what they are. Get it. Get it out of here. Don't let it fucking happen. I want fireworks. I want Lance Lynn screaming. I want the tensions high at 35th and Shields, and I eventually want to walk out of there with a three-game sweep, the season series at hand, in our hands, and not theirs. It's go time, baby. I'm fucking ready, and I'm excited for it. Can't wait to be there Thursday and Tuesday and hopefully be on the bookends of a sweep, Steve. I don't know what games you have, but uh, those are the days that I will be at the ballpark. Um and hopefully we get to see each other in Lot B and do a little crack them before and after some White Sox victories. I will also be there Tuesday, Thursday, and who knows? I may just may find my way there on Wednesday night. I don't know yet. We'll see what happens here because 
I want to see them fucking curb stomp these assholes. We will we will figure out when Steve's at the ball. We're all going to be at the ballpark. That said, some important show notes. Um, we will do our best to bring you content from these games live on scene, as well as keep up with the post game shows. But there is a slight chance that you will not see us on Tuesday night, Stephen, because I'm pretty sure our guy Johnny is there as well. That said, we will be having a show for sure on Wednesday night. Uh, that will most likely be myself and whoever else can join me. And then Thursday, we will try and wrap this series up. So if you're looking for the Sox on Tap schedule, stay tuned to the Twitter. We'll announce it there when we're having shows, but we will have a show at the conclusion of this series with Cleveland in some way, shape, or form to break down where we're at at that exact moment and talk about how we're feeling. Uh, Steve, it's going to be a wild week. I'm, I'm so ready for it. Let's fucking go. It all comes down to this. It all comes down to this. Steve, last little bits of information, then we're out of here. Be sure you're following Socks on Tap on Twitter.com. You can follow me at Tony on Tap, Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Follow the show on YouTube channels. You got to go to On Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. You can get in here, comment in the live show, and uh, maybe you'll get featured here like our guy Socks Insane, who uh, started a whole discussion about our starting rotation and who you can bump. Uh, maybe you are on Facebook. Follow us there. You can get in the comments as well. But once again, make sure you're visiting our website, ontapsportsnet.com, for all of your Chicago sports podcasting and literature needs. Steve, it was a great Sunday fun day. We've got uh, some football to watch, I hear. I know that's your favorite sport, and you can't wait to get there and uh, watch the Chicago Bears take on the Packers. Can they both lose? No, I don't think that's how football works, Steve. I don't um, think that's how football works. I don't know how, the, I don't know how this food. Maybe there might be ties. Goes. There might be... There might be ties in football. I know a bunch of people are getting ready to watch the Bears take on the Packers. Follow at Bears on Tap if you're into that whole Bears-Chicago football thing. They will be live later tonight uh, breaking down the Bears and Packers game. Steve, that's all I've got. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.